BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Doctor Who, the Spear of Destiny. Chapter 1 You're being very mysterious, Doctor. The Doctor raised an eyebrow. Let me rephrase that, said Joe, stabbing his shoulder with her forefinger. More more serious than usual. The Doctor grappled with a gear lever, Bessie, the bright yellow vintage roaster. He was so fond of driving, he frowned. The gearbox answered with the sound of cogs trying to eat each other but soon lost the fight as the doctor moved up and deferred. He smiled, looking overhead along the busting street of Piccadilly. It was a warm day, and the hood of the car was down. A few people stared and pointed at them as they trotted past. Joe sat a foot further back into a seat as the doctor waved at a couple of passerbys. You know that I love about London, he said, turning to her briefly. She sighed. I'm sure I can't guess. It's the only city in the universe where you can drive around in a car that's 70 years old and get away with it. Who says you're getting away with it, muttered Joe. The doctor waved again and Joe shut her eyes. We could have taken the tube, I suppose. Joe stared. Now, come on, my dear. Where's your sense of style? Joe stared, open-mouthed at the doctor. Toto was dressed in a green volador smoking jacket over a purple frilly shirt, the colour of which was large enough to sell a small yacht. His eye-watering fashion, even for the 1973, but in all honesty, is quite restrained for the doctor. Joe shut her mouth. At least he wasn't wearing the Inverness cap for once, but she hated it when he didn't tell her what was going on. Doctor, she wailed, will you please tell me where we, what we're doing? 
The doctor turned up Dover Street, scuffled briefly once more with Bessie's gearbox. It brought the car to a halt atop of Hay Hill. We're going to a museum. You told me that much. A private collection to look at something. No, said the doctor, grinning. To steal something. I never paid you down as an art thief, said Joe. He stood looking at the noble feet of frontage of the museum. Just one of the many magnificent children free of four-storied houses. Mayfair. Not art, said the doctor. Anchorities. There's something in here. That interests you? Right, said the doctor. His eyes scoured the building as if he were trying to see for it. Something dangerous? Right again. The unit sent you here, said Jove triumphantly. And the doctor ran in her. My dear girl, he said, unit, do not send me anywhere. Jodie decided to tease the doctor a little. But you do work for them, don't you? She said, her eyes twinkling. Just like I do, the doctor glared at her. I have offered my services to them during my time here as scientific advisor in purely unaffiliated manner. I'm not employed by them, and if it's at any time I choose to leave, I will do so. Now come on, let's get inside and have a look at this thing. What thing? called Joe. The doctor is already striding ahead and up the steps. Maybe now wasn't the time. He didn't seem to be very preoccupied. He did seem to be pretty preoccupied. It really, she knew better than to tease him by working for UNIT, United Nations Intelligent Task Force. She also knew better than to remind him that he had only agreed to work for them since he was exiled on Earth by the High Council of the Time Lords, having been found guilty of violations of time. And although the High Council had now allowed the Doctor Freedom to travel in time and space again, she certainly knew better than to mention this exile. Joe hurried up the steps, out of the bright day into the cool dark of the museum. Doctor disappeared inside. Fumbling for some money, she brought a ticket from a small desk in the foyer and pushed through heavy glass doors in his expedition, into the expedition itself. Various rooms stretched away in front of her. People wandered around in dreary, irritating way they do in museums. Security guard lifted his head and looked at her. She walked on. Ticket seller pushed a leaflet in her hands, only now did she stop to read the front. The Hold of the King, early Scandinavian treasures, recently uncovered in Sweden, found presented by Moxton's collection. Joe found the doctor, second floor of the museum. He was staring through the glass of the cabinet in the centre of the room. Inside the cabinet was an unbelievably beautiful helmet, with a face mark attached. It appeared to be silver and gold. It was polished by so so fierce it shone like a small sun under the white lights. Is that what we came still? whispered Joe as he stepped up beside him. The doctor shook his head almost impregnably. He nodded through the glass of the cabinet in which the helmet sat to another taller case in the corner of the room. Inside the case of the spear, the shaft was long enough. A wood have done well to last the best part of two thousand years. The head of the Shabir was another thing, a wonder of beauty, made of long taping piece of gold. It too glowed brightly in a beam, a small spotlight. Did you see it? asked the doctor. Can we take a closer look? whispered Joe. The room was empty and people. A guard sat in one corner, almost asleep in a chair.
The doctor nodded. Yes, but no, no, don't linger. It took a circuit of the room, tried to not dwindle as it passed the spear. But they were, now they were closer, they could see small markings cut in the flat parts of the golden tip. Ruins, said doctor. In failed of book, for the look of them, he turned to Joe. The Rubik alphabet lawsman. Joe bent to peer through the glass at the gold. What does it say? And no doubt, small markings on the other side, but th- those we can see from here say good on the manor. A bigger pot? It's a name. Of the man who owned it? No, of the spear itself. The spear is a name? The doctor nodded. Joe suddenly straightened. It's a good idea to speak. Is it a good idea to be seen and say no crimes? She whispered. Glancing over his shoulder, it's not a crime screen scene, said the doctor, yet he winked. I'll allow yourself one more close look at the spearhead, then took Joe by the arm. Time to go, I think, he said, and they landed up for the stairs, hurrying down to the ground floor. Do you enjoy the expedition? What expedition? I only saw one helmet and one spear. Joe smiled brightly at the security guard. On the door, who was staring openly at Doctor's clothes? Fascinating, she said. She declared loudly, and they emerged from the darkness into sunshine, blinking their way back into the modern world. We do believe that spirit is not all it seems, explained the Doctor. They headed back to unit headquarters. There have been a few temporary anomalies in the area. What kind of enemies? asked Joe. The doctor turned Bessie into the drive, a letter unit, and she choked happily over the gravel, as eager to be done for the day. Getting late, the sun started to dip behind the tall trees and lined away. Small things, like several watches, all losing time at once. A rash of people getting a feeling of deja vu, a clock striking thirteen. Small things, so small, it might have gone unnoticed. We're not for the fact museum, the opposite bridge club, of what a friend of ours, he told me. I spoke to the Time Lords, and here we are. And who's this friend of ours? The doctor smiled. The brigadier? Ah, he's the old greyhound now. Shall we make our report? Brigadier Liverbridge Fruit. We're just walking out the front doors. As he pulled up, chugging his cap, his head as crispy as ever. He saw Bessie and strode towards him. Doctor, Miss Grant. You're quite right, brigadier. The spear was very... Is every indication of being PTN? A what? asked Joe. Neither the doctor nor the brigadier was listening. You informed the High Council, asked Everidge Ever Stewart. I will you have the authority to move the object for analysis immediately. But why? Why did you just ask not? But why did you not just ask him for it, said Joe. Museum, I mean. We tried, said the brigadier. They refused. It's Chap Bolson, the other collection. True recluse, spinning here. Not used to taking orders. But you, you can't make, can't you make him? Private collection. We have no power to order him to do anything. But surely that you've explained what it's all about, Joe asked. She stopped. What's all this about anyway? What's a PTN? Physical temporal nucleus, said the doctor. Very dangerous things indeed. Origin is unknown. They are certainly alien and certainly ancient. I believe to be only a few in existence, and the High Council is, how shall we put it, more than keen to keep them out of circulation. I see, said Joe. I think we'd better get, a, get out. Good on with them, then. Well, put the doctor. 
We'll put Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Said the doctor. They're heading to the unit building. What's the plan? Asked Joe. Do you have a nice big black burger suit in your wardrobe, doctor? One with frills? The doctor's paused briefly, started to raise a wagging finger towards Joe. They thought better of it. The museum stands between the bank and the embassy building. Except both of which will be well protected. However, or with all due respect to my friends here, this is 1973, smiled the and walked on. This room in the museum is without CTV, laser sensors, or other motion detectors. Be child play to walk in and out with minimum broken glass. There are simpler ways of entering the next thing a building without even being noticed. He stopped by a sudden familiar police box. A doctor padded inside the toilet. If there had been one of, if you had one of these, Joe laughed. What is it? asked the brigadier. I just realized that she said banks, safe deposit units, vaults, museums, art galleries. You could get very rich in a week with this. Some of us have nobler aspirations, said Doctor Stanley. Oh, me too, me too, said Joe Grinning. Really, Neville, the nobis? It's just an idea. So we utilized the room on the second floor of the museum, smashed the case, grabbed the spear, and removed eyes again. Yes? Not quite, said the doctor. If, we, if I may make one small adjustment to our otherwise excellent plan, Joe, I took the trouble getting unit boffins to prepare this. Did inside the toilet and we appeared a moment later with a spear that looked just like the one they were going to steal. One small difference. It has no ruins on it, said Joe. Quite so, said Doctor. We made this from photographs in its expedition catalogue. But ruins are unclear, hence the need for the world's visit today. As soon as we complete the work on the spearhead, we'll be off. Later tonight, I hope. We'll place the spear with a copy, said Joe. It's brilliant. They won't even know what they've been robbed, the Doctor smiled. Well, as long as we don't break any glass, they won't. Well, here we are, announced the doctor. Second floor expedition room with a maximum collection. Followed I. He threw the toilet door open, fear actually, smiling broadly at Joe, who frowned and gave a little prod of finger at the air, pointing outside. The doctor turned. Blast, he said loudly. Then more quietly, could you hand? Well, are you supposed to all get home just once? Joe peered out and surveyed the view. We appear to be on the roof, the roof of the museum, actually. Not bad. Well, weirdly, said the doctor. Outside was the night skyline of London. They could see the lights of Piccadilly Circus. And a little further on, Nelson Collins striking up in the darkness. Fair enough, declared the doctor. It's still only 1973, after all. 
We slip inside from up here just as easily. He fished in his pocket and pulled out the sonic screwdriver. Yeah, just be some must be some kind of skylight for access onto the roof, he added. Joe tugged at his sleeve. There, look. Excellent, said the doctor. Joe, would you mind bringing, being a decoy? A short way away of the roof of the building was a small door leading to the roof space. Doctor held a sonic screwdriver and it's a lock. For a moment and a second, a lock clicked open. And they, and they made their way down a cramped, darkened spur well. At the bottom of another larger door, once more than a screwdriver, did work. They're in the museum itself. Bone floor down, said the doctor quietly. Keep your ears open, just in case. Joe Dundee clutched the fake spear a little more tightly, and they started down the stairs, with wide and thick, which were wide and thick with plush carpet. Near the bottom of the staircase, the doctor paused, and pointed to the door to the room they visited that afternoon. He stood still on the bottom step, tense, listening hard. Then he relaxed and smiled. Well, he said, I think the coast is clear. He stepped down to the landing, and a wail of alarm broke upon them, deafening and shrill. Footsteps rang out across the marble tiles of the round floor, and much closer a voice shouted at them, Stay exactly where you are, or I'll fire! They spun around to see a guard levelling a pestle at them. Not one of the dozy security guards from the afternoon, but one who dressed in almost a military uniform. A doctor in a stance he meant to shoot any second. What do you mean you'll fire, roared the doctor? Don't be preposterous. It's a museum, not a rifle range. Turned to Joe. Joe, come on, I think we should leave. Do not move, bawled the guard. There's a sound of more guns running up the stairs. Doctor grabbed Joe's hand. I'll shoot, shouted the guard. He won't, said the doctor. With all that great certainty, take a step back upstairs. Roll behind them all heads, exploded in a mess of plaster, seemed to reach them for all the way away of the gunshot itself. Run, cried the doctor. They sped up, back up the stairs, heading for the roof. More gunshots sounded. The wall above their heads erupted as they ran, crouching for the door to the small stairwell. Pistol fire was suddenly overwhelmed by the harsh metal splutter of a submachine gun. Preposterous, cried the doctor, as they took the metal stairs to the roof, two at a time. There were more shouts, and the sound of boots ringing at the floor stairs clattered after them. Shots pinged off the ceiling, so they ducked out the tiny doors, backing into the cold night air. It's a tardis, Joe, shouted the doctor. Quick! He burst inside and flung the door shut. The doctor pounced on the central console and picked, locked them safely inside. A distant sound of gunfire breaking on the side of the TARDIS came to, to them like bees pinging off the glass of a thick window. Let's not outstay our welcome, said the doctor, busily getting coordinates. I say we better, we already have, said Joe. She set the spear beside the door and rushed over to the doctor. The sound of gunfire was replaced by a familiar grinding sound of demoralization. Joe felt rush, relief rush over her. She turned around and poached on the edge of the console. Yes, that was rather close, said the doctor. Still, it proves the one thing, which is, I fear, something unusual. No one could go to such lengths to protect it. If it's just an old piece of wood and a lump of gold, maybe Motson is just very protective of his collection. Some machine guns, a taking machine... Museum creation, a bit far, don't you think? I suppose so, said Joe. Anyway, where are we going? Doctor smiled. A very good question. With a very good answer, I hope. 
We can't steal the spear now. We can't steal it in the park. We can, but we can steal the pass. We're therefore traveling back to another confirmed location in space-time, which is... Didn't you read the notice by the book case? Joe shook her head, too busy trying to understand Frankfurt. Well, do you still have the leaflet from the museum? Joe fished in her pocket and pulled out a crumpled piece of paper. She found a brief, short description of Spear. Ceremonial Spear, found in Gamala Espala, Sweden. Believed to have been used in festivals. Found the Vera Epinox, <coughs> century AD. Inscription upon the head reads Gundra. In all Norse mythology, Gundra, the magical spear of Odin. <coughs> You're taking me to us to see the Vikings? asked Joe incredulously. I know, wonderful, isn't it? said Doctor with a grin. That's not a word I'd use, Joe said. Hey, wait a minute. How do you know where to go? Where is easy, said Doctor. Just look at the little leaflet, Absala, Central Sweden, or Old Absala to be exact. Central power of Swedish kings for over a thousand years. Christians turned up. That's where? It's a little harder. When well, is it a little harder? We yeah, should be. Well, we know we should head for the spring equinox. None of the Vikings to date things around astronomical. Nice of the Vikings to date things around astronomical phenomena. Which life makes life much easier. But what in which year? Well, they are guessing a little. British Museum is a ruined stone. Bears the only known reference to Gundra. It refers to a summary of old Isola that mentions the passing of the second sun across the heavens. Scholars always assumed it being a reference to Haley's comet. whose only known appearance in the second century was 814 AD. According to the old Cadurian calendar, was on the 22nd of March, very next day after Equinox. So that's when and where we're going. Oh, said Joe, I see. Good. Oh, just one question, far away. Oh, Doctor, please. Not after the business, uh, not after the business museum. Doctor said, hold up his hand. Sorry, what's your question? Joe swallowed. So listen, this spear, the magical spear Odin. I might have got this wrong, but isn't Odin a god? That's what they say. Well, doesn't it worry you at all? On the contrary, rather fun, I say. Fun? I'll tell I the spear by the doorway, nervously. Do you really think the owner of Gundry was a god? Doctor smiled again, I suppose, he said. We're about to find out. <laughs>